This is Daisy Dolan, and you're listening to The Real Talk Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Real Talk Podcast. Today, who's back? My friend Daisy Dolan. I welcome back my friend Daisy on episode ooh, 55 of the Real Talk Podcast. If you haven't yet, please go back and check out previous episode number nine, which we recorded back in October 2019. Can you believe how long, how quickly wow. time has passed? October 2019, pre-pandemic times. This recording is a catch up with Daisy to talk about what's going on with her side of business, her recent promotion, as the Director of Strategic Growth at Compass from her past position as Senior Strategic Growth Manager. Fun fact, across my 55 recorded episodes to date, Daisy is the most downloaded and streamed episode of my podcast. Uh, so she's you know, proven to be a fan, uh, fan favorite and an all-star person in general. Wow. I am proud to be working alongside Daisy and Definitely excited to catch up on this recording. You may follow Daisy on Instagram at Dazed and Confused. You don't have to worry about that. I'm going to put that in the show notes. And also her podcast as well, which you can find on all podcast platforms that you enjoy listening on. Her podcast is Wild Wild Wellness Pod. I'm going to plug the Instagram handle of her podcast in my show notes as well. So please give her a follow. Daisy, welcome. Thanks so much. Such a pleasure to be back again. Oh my goodness, it feels like old times. It does, doesn't it? I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you uh, taking your time out to be here in person. Mm -hmm. I'm also here today with my co-host, Danielle Stepp. Yes, hello everyone. It's a rare appearance for me, but I'm happy to be a part of this today. So when we rescheduled, Danielle woke up, she had her morning morning routine, which we're going to talk mm -hmm, about. Mm -hmm. She went for a run. She mm -hmm. had two shots of us. She had a, an espresso shot. Yeah. She dressed up. She put a little bit of makeup on. She got here <laughs> early. She had a whole routine. I had really a full three hours in the morning. So what was, did you have a, did you prepare this morning in the same manner or? This morning, you know, I still had my general morning routine. I didn't get up as early, but, um. <laughs> I always like to exercise in the morning, so Good. got that in. I can osmosis you some energy, don't worry. I can just kind of like beam it at you across Perfect. the table. <laughs> Good. Good, well, go. you know, the, the, Daisy, Daisy has an impact on, on certain people and uh, Danielle definitely has been impacted, let's put it that way. So we're gonna talk more about morning routines, we're gonna talk more about your, your lifestyle, your podcast, your just business in general, life in general. But before we get there, let's do a quick, I like to call it a warm-up session. And uh, I would like, I have some select words. Oh boy. And there, I would like for you to answer those, uh, you know, what I'm about to say. And maybe one word, maybe two or three. If you want to go four, fine. Okay? Mm hmm And uh, we'll start with a couple words, so easier words to start off with. Okay, the first easy word is your thoughts on Rob Refkin. Genius. Genius, okay, good. COVID era residential real estate market. Chaos. Chaos is a great word. The office markets of New York City. Also chaos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Robert's new book, No One Succeeds Alone. Lovely. Lovely. 
We'll talk more about that later. Oh, can't wait. <laughs> uh, morning routine and trampolines. Essential. Essential. If you guys do not follow her Instagram stories, you want to be inspired in the mornings. I'll wake you up every morning. Give That'd her a follow. Great. Give her a follow. Okay. Uh, oh, you also tagged this person. I don't know who who this person is, but uh, Katia Dance Body. Katia. Katia. Well, hold on. It's gonna be way more than four words. She's the founder of Dance Body. I would. I would. In one word, I would say icon. That woman could make revenue from stone. I have watched her pivot that business model three times over the last year. She's a genius. She'll get you in ripped shape, and she's just an incredible entrepreneur and someone you probably should interview. Oh well, I'm. You know, maybe make it, one day you can make an introduction. Absolutely. Do you know who I'm talking about? I don't know her. But oh, it's it's like every other Instagram story post is of her. So oh, yeah. You have no choice but to know who she is, and I didn't <laughs> know, so I had to ask. Okay, next. Um, ah, Ooh, this is a good one. Real estate brokers. You said essential already, right? No, no, no. Let's not say. Oh, oh you know what? Uh, James Nelson said essential, so maybe we could use a different word. Okay. Real it could be negative. It could be positive. <laughs> Tough. <laughs> Tough. Yeah, you deal with them all the time. Very tough. tough. Yeah, very tough. Uh, Eric Adams. Net positive? Net positive. Okay, two words. Net positive. I can hyphen agree. It. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, hyphen. Net positive. One word. <laughs> Healthy living. Essential. I'll run that back. Essential. Run it back. Personal finance. A practice. Practice. Yeah. You need reps. Mm -hmm. Cancel culture. Gen Z? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Gen Z's a hyphen too, isn't it? Okay. I guess so. Yeah, that's still like counts word. Yeah, Gen Z. All right, interesting. And last but not least, TikTok or IG? Ooh. I have to be honest, the more time I spend around the youth, I really think TikTok is what Facebook was in 2008. I really do. Okay. TikTok I think we are too old to be on it, but I think that in 10, 50, I, I think it, it is the new thing. I Are you on it? To be there. Of course. Please plug your TikTok. It's at Daisy Can't Dance, but I. I <laughs> <laughs> Perfect name. Thank you. Daisy. So you can dance. I don't, I don't yeah. post at all, but I, I'm like, I, I might at some point, <laughs> but it's nice because no one's on there. So you could be a little bit more kooky and creative versus IG. I mean, I got a brand to maintain. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, you have a big it's following a lot of pressure IG. to be dazed and confused. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so what, what's the cutoff age to be dancing on TikTok? Is uh, my age around the mid-30s? We're all too old at this table. <laughs> it depends. If you're dancing ironically, you're never too old. Okay. But if True. you're like, I mean, just the algorithm is very good. So just make sure that you create the TikTok you want to see in the world. Otherwise, you'll just be looking at videos of like beautiful 17-year-olds dancing. You're like, what the? Yeah, this it's kind of weird, isn't it? not teenage experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gone now. We, we were not that cool at 17 we years not. old. I mean, what? How were you guys getting any work done? Well, maybe you were cool at 17, but I was I, not. I, I, I was absolutely not. was not. <laughs> I was running cross country. Oh, good. Yeah, I love my favorite activity was running alone in the woods by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Not doing dances with no. your friends and posting them online. No. <laughs> okay. Well, no, ma'am. Uh, let's go. Let's go do. Actually, that's a great pivot into your early life. So, you know, I want to reintroduce you to some of our new listeners and some of our uh, our new adapters of the Real Talk Pod platform. Uh, let's go with you know, where you're from again and tell us about your family background and, you know, you went to 
uh, Cornell, right? Mm-hmm. To study something that's kind of similar to real estate, but not really. So I went we... to the hotel school. So Leia, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about that from the beginning. You know where you're from and a little bit about your uh, upbringing. Sure. So born and raised in London, hmm. um, moved back to the states when I was a wee lass, uh, probably like eight or nine, and uh, New York City. Westchester County, and then when my parents split up, one parent has always lived in New York City, but moved around a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Went to boarding school, so moved around even more. At one point, I had three uh, driver permits, the thing that you get before a license, in three different states. Um, That means you took three different DMV tests? It means I took no DMV tests, because you have to take the test to get your license. Oh, yes. And so those were three different permits. I didn't end up getting my license until I was like 21 years old. (laughs) That's right, New York City kid. New York City, yeah, Yeah, because I was in New York City, I was at boarding school, then I went to Cornell, which is so snowy that like if you didn't you, you don't learn how to drive at Cornell like you you have to go in knowing what you're doing because it's so snowy and hilly mm, true um so where was I yes I uh, went to Cornell the hotel school I chose it for a couple different reasons um my stepdad was in hospitality I always liked it but I also went to school kind of right in the middle of the great recession so mm-hmm. to me I was like what am I going to do that's going to guarantee me employment and definitely get me a job? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So the hotel school at Cornell is this, a little 700-person college in the middle of a 14,000-person university that's very specific. Is it in the same Cornell? It's within the Cornell campus? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's within the... So you get the full college experience. Yes, you get the full college experience. It was in a sorority. I did the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also had a lot of really clear career paths just by virtue of being there. They were really big on alumni networking, building your resume, like workable skills, which I appreciate. And if any youth have stumbled off of TikTok and onto this podcast, I encourage you to do that as well. <laughs> um, but about half my friends went into finance, a lot into real estate finance, more on the commercial side. Sure, yep. um, half my friends went into operations and I chose tech because I didn't want to do either of those things. You know, I, I worked in restaurants for a while, which is so applicable in real so estate. So you were, uh, were you a waitress, a all of hostess, it. Yeah, I was a waitress, chef, I was a hostess, I was dishwasher. a dishwasher, line cook, yeah, I, all of it. Nice, I love it. Yeah. Um, I Did worked, you have one like memorable uh, restaurant location that you worked at? I was the hostess at Sunset Beach for a summer. Oh, in Shelter Island? Yeah. Ooh, uh, that was uh, Andre Balaz, the developer. Legendary. That was a lot of fun. Mm, Interesting. So you were the hostess for the restaurant or were you the hostess for the the bar in the back, the table section? So it's all one. It's all Um, one. So I worked at the front desk and then I got quote unquote promoted because they could tell that I was like this try hard college kid. They're like, we promoted you. Like we know you have no social life. So you get to be the weekend hostess at the restaurant. You're the kid that runs alone in the woods. Yeah. (laughs) So what we're going to do is actually give you seven days a week of work. And I was like, that's so great. I'm so stoked. Thank you so much. I didn't. I didn't. Was Sunset Beach like a happening spot back then? Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. back then, I mean, you're only like 20-something years old, right? So it makes sense. Sunset Beach is a pretty hot spot. It's, a, it's been a hot spot for a while. It's been a hot spot for a while. It was, I mean, especially... Have you been there? Come on. No, I've not. Oh, Shelter Island. Never been to the island. Well, what's the day to go there? Saturday afternoon, right? Oh, uh, gosh. I think so. I it think kind of dies out money, at night. The real money is probably Sunday afternoon because it means Sunday you're afternoon. not rushing to get back to the oh. city because you don't work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Saturday or but Sunday. The, like the party atmosphere days are generally like the like those the days, days, the weekend yeah. days. Yeah. 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 It's really fun there. Okay, cool. I didn't know that about you. So that's something new. And then you, and so after college, you went to Resi because you're a tech person. I actually went to a company called Avero first that was kind of like data consulting for hospitality. All right. Um, so I got into channel sales there, which is essentially building out partner sales channels. 
And so I was part of a two-person team. I'm still very close with my former boss from that company. And we basically just did a conference circuit of... I, I was in both Dakotas. I was in a town in Arizona that I don't think anyone knows the name of. I was in Utah a bunch. I was in Missouri a bunch. Like you think that traveling for work is very glamorous. Where were you in Utah, Park City? Uh, actually, Utah was fun. I liked Utah. Where, Salt where'd you go? Was beautiful. So oh, I love um, SLC, yeah. But I I was on this conference circuit, and so now I spin it as like I was in you know data and consulting, which I, you know I kind of was, but I was also doing a lot of like handing out branded koozies at. at <laughs> Like conferences for point of sale dealerships it's, and you know, you're getting, payment processing. You get in front of people. It's fine. Why not? Yeah, it taught me sales. This so compared to to that, this job is like I feel like I work at the Ritz. Yeah, you know you're a really you're a natural salesperson. But it, let's just say this: it, it from a kid running in the woods by herself to where you are today, the the sales process was obviously maybe some of it was innate, but it was definitely trained. Yeah, I mean, I think being a hostess at Sunset yeah. Beach is like. You have to be good. You have, you to, have get to get your game. And by the way, when I was running alone in the woods, I was plotting. My mic. I wasn't thinking <laughs> what about you, What were you plotting? <laughs> I was building my mind. I was plotting. Like, remember, I was 17 years old picking a college based on like, okay, four years from now, where will I have the highest earning potential? Like mm. I was, oh. I've been a strategic That's thinker smart. since day one. Yeah. Very smart. You. Yeah. Thank I, you. you know, most, that's a lot of high school kids did not have that plotting mindset. No, I did not. I mean, they, they might be planning something else. But not four, four years from today, what's my greatest earning potential? They might be plotting, like, you know, where can I go get, you know, a beer from somebody? But I also got very lucky because I, my older siblings are Irish twins. I think they're mm-hmm. maybe like 14 months apart. Okay. And then there's a four and a half year break. And then I was a little accident. So I was always, I was raised by kids that were, you know, five, older. six years older than me. Mm-hmm. And so I was always kind of, like my comps were were people that were older than me and so I was bossed around a lot by my siblings who were very clear like hey this is what you should be thinking about so when I was thinking about where I was going to college they were just starting work and when I was just starting work they were you know making their you know second or third okay. company change so okay. I'm very lucky that, that I had the siblings that I have the siblings that I have yeah. Um, but yeah I was I was jogging through the woods just plotting world domination <laughs> and it all started with an interview on the Real Talk podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah breaking news um, this is gr- this this is interesting. The the uh, the growth of where you came from and, and where you are now is obviously uh, something to take note of for just just you know me and, and your friends and, and people that are around you in general. Uh, having mentors growing up, just like Rob did in his book, you know all the mentors that he had growing up. I mean, men, asking or having mentors around all of your life, it's definitely a solid foundation to. Um, your adulthood and what you want to do and who you want to be because you get the advice probably that you wanted or you were you didn't even maybe know you needed that ended up uh, shaping who you are in present day today uh, so we kind of run through a couple more warm-up questions before we get it we deep dive into our main topics here uh, favorite New York City neighborhood that you maybe not live in right now well, you know, do, do you have another neighborhood that you like in you mean besides Williamsburg? I love Correct. Williamsburg. I know you so do. Much. Yeah, I know. But um, do you have another? Do I have another one? Because um, we live in Williamsburg, and you know. Yeah, we know it's, it's good. We know it's, we know it's the best. We know it's the best. I like Fort Greene a lot. Fort Greene is growing on okay. me. I have a lot of friends that moved to Fort Greene. I just haven't spent much time there. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, that's probably not a great answer. No, it's great. I mean, uh, one of my uh, uh, closest colleague or client friends. Uh, owns a townhouse on Claremont. Nice. Right by Fort Greene Park. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a beautiful neighborhood. 
It's right by uh, Long Island City, or is it LIH? LIH. Long Island City it's University? Hmm? Long Island University? Oh, LIU. LIU. Long Island University, yeah, it's Fort Greene's right there. LIC's. Sorry, yeah, no, it's like a real estate. Core thing to know. It's like, yeah, LIU. LIU is right there. It's right northeast of the Oro condominium when I did one of my first sales, 200 Gold Street. So, yeah, right south of Fort Greene Park. But, yeah, that's that's good. Okay, and then do you have a favorite restaurant there? Uh, actually, my favorite restaurant, I did think about my answer to this in advance. It's not there. It's in the East Village. Oh. And it's called Rosella, and everyone should go. Ooh, do you know? I've never been, no. Rosella, R-O-S-E-L-L-A. Okay. Um, my friend Jeff opened it with a couple of different partners. Um, it's sustainable uh, sushi omakase. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <clears throat> the food is absolutely Sustainable incredible. as in low-carbon footprint, so no fish imported from Japan. Correct. But probably from Montauk. Correct. Okay. And it's all about promoting different types of seafood, different types of fish, because as you know, there's a few core species that have been just relentlessly overfished. Tuna. But I will say, the food is bomb. Like, okay. I eat more sushi than I should. Like, more of my budget goes towards restaurants. Actually, no, I worked in restaurants. So I'm proud of that. I love supporting that industry. Yeah, you got to, yeah. Um, but it's the best food that you'll ever have. And it just got written up in the New York Times, so go quickly, because it's about to start to get really hard to get into. Okay, great. Did well, they open it recently? Um, I think they opened right before COVID, actually. Sure, you should check it out, too. Yeah. yeah. Give it awesome. a shot. Uh, thank you for that tip. You're welcome. My favorite restaurant in Fort Greene is, was found on Resi, uh-huh. which your old company was acquired by, I believe, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Reserve Resi, and I get confused. Now it's American Express. Now it's Amex, yes. Mm-hmm. But the restaurant, now it's a pop-up now because of COVID, but it, I'm sure it'll come back to the same spot. It's called Karasu. Mm-hmm. K-A-R-A-S-U. It's a cool Japanese dive bar slash restaurant in the back of an actual American dive bar. The back of the building. Amazing. Wow. Amazing place. Uh, See, this is why you should be on TikTok. You could do like a little video, like the, the, the going into the dive bar and then going to the back. No? You know what? I should. You know, but I, I actually have a TikTok account. It's called TikTok. Oh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Mind blown. TikTok. Uh, <laughs> How happy were you when you discovered? I mean, it was already you know. No one took it. It's a no brainer. It's a it's a no brainer. Yeah, you don't follow me at TikTok because I don't. I have everything that I post is on private. Mm. Uh, maybe I'll make it public. It's, it's nothing crazy. It's just like I'm just like messing around. But uh, one that more than that maybe in the future. The favorite city or state outside of New York City, New York State, and why? Boy, um, my mom's side of the family is from the Pacific Northwest, so I love it oh, up over really? there. Just yeah, like... but I will say I spent most of uh, the last couple of months launching Compass in North Carolina and Raleigh. Raleigh's amazing. The Triangle, right? Durham, Chapel Hill, Cary, Raleigh—it's amazing. Like it, you, you go down there and you're like, oh, this is this is what quality of life looks like. Yeah. There's tons of space. The houses are beautiful. Everyone's like jogging outside. It's it's. It's beautiful. It really snuck up on me. Interesting. You know, that was David Snyder, our uh, last episode. Yeah, his, he said the same. His, his, he uh-huh. said the same. You know him. Yes. David Snyder. No. The ex-CFO of Compass. Oh, you, you, you may have known, known of him, but um, yeah, he said the same thing. But he also went to Duke, so, you know, he has a little bit of a uh, preference towards that region. I'm, I'm, I'm pushing for HQ3 in Raleigh. Okay. The, the research triangle. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, we have some engineers that actually came from that area, too. That yeah, it's, in New York it's City. an engineering hub. Yeah, mm. yeah. We we hired. Remember we remember the guy Zach that we took around and we brought to yeah. try to fire breakfast. Yeah. yeah, he's from that area. Anyways, okay. And 
Danielle, do you have a, a, a favorite city, stay outside of New Jersey, New York? Because you, you grew up in Hopewell, which is yeah, right by Princeton. Yeah, I grew up in New Jersey. So. Where's your favorite? That's tough. City, you know, I like state. a lot of places, but. But you know, knowing you, you are a woman of of uh, routine and I what am. you what you you like what you like and you. I know what I know. You and know I what you know, and that's know. That, and that's <laughs> you're comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I have to pick two things. I, can I have two picks? Yeah, two. Um, I love going to Vermont. Okay. With my friends, so. Okay, where, where in Vermont was it? Not Stowe. Uh, or near Stowe. No, that that's more north. Okay. Um, Dover area. Okay. On Lake Champlain. Okay. Very very good times there. Gotcha. Nice to go to like have a relaxing time in Vermont. Nice. And then my second pick would maybe be Miami. Miami is a good choice. I love going to the beach. It's an easy flight. Great restaurants, and just so much to do. Yeah. So much to do. Agreed. Uh, all right, and last but not least, does the SGM team need reality television? Now, real estate brokers, you got, you know, selling New York, you got million dollar listing, but what about on the back end? You know, it's like, who who's working these brokers in the back end? Do you guys need reality TV? I mean, literally nothing that I do, anyone is allowed to do. <laughs> so, so no, but we do joke that like at some point in the future, one of us is going to write a book. Um, because I, I mean, yeah, the, our job is, is completely insane because, you know, real estate brokers are not logical actors. And so, you know, some of the stuff we come across is like, how is Yes, this? I love it. Especially Compass when we're launching a new market. Like I remember being in Raleigh and like having to like, I, I was back to back to back in meetings. And I remember I was like in heels. It was 84 degrees. <laughs> the number one thing I had to do, because these agents love production value for their events. And somehow like the charcuterie board delivery had gotten messed up. So, like I remember I, I drove outside of city limits and like met this woman in a parking lot to pick up like a 20 pound sweaty charcuterie board. Oh my gosh. And, I know that was the most important thing I could do to, to impress these like huge <laughs> agents. Well, I mean, this is a TV show but, right now. No, I mean, I, that's, that's like a niche that might be like one funny indie film, but I don't have <laughs> a TV show. I hate to break it to you. It might be like a TikTok. Well, what about yeah. if Bravo approached you and say, hey, you know, why don't we do a recording? And it won't be published until, it won't be synced out till like another two years. Oh, like then if it like was sealed? <laughs> yeah, like, you know, what, what you did to get those brokers' attention to come on board, whatever it may be, you know, it won't be produced until two years down the road. And so, so they might already be with us by the time it, the TV is produced. I do, do often a, say, I, I do often say that working at Compass is like working in something written by Aaron Sorkin uh -huh. because everyone is so smart and everyone speaks so quickly. And, and so it's like you're surrounded by a bunch of little West Wing characters at all times. It's but, yeah, incredible. That's incredible. I, I, would, I wouldn't be able to keep up, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, it would probably have to be a lot longer than two years. I don't plan on going anywhere. So mm, okay. maybe like 20 years. Good. Good. It can be like a time capsule. I can like play it at my daughter's sweet 16 or something. <laughs> Here's how mommy paid for this. So the short answer is <laughs> Bravo TV that Daisy is locked up. You cannot approach her. Andy Cohen, look elsewhere. She, she yeah, you gotta, you gotta find a different theme. Yeah. You gotta find a different theme. You know, while we talk about, you know, your, your work and your life, this COVID situation has really changed at least Danielle and I, New York City brokers, it really changed our lives in the way we look at real estate. Mm -hmm. And it's changed, I think, every large brokerage out there and how they operate their business, the thought process of how their clients look at their assets now. What, what do you think has happened 
you know, in the, in the last 12 months, 13, 14 months, uh, across the board on your side of the business, as far as, you know, recruiting brokers are concerned and, you know, what their vision is as far as, you know, maybe potentially switching companies. Yeah. So I think first I want to acknowledge COVID was incredibly challenging for everyone. And I am so impressed with how Compass handled it as a, as a company, Mm -hmm. we led with empathy. You know, my, my role is very specifically about helping people build their future and, and taking them to that next step. And yes, there was a period of time where it was a wildly inappropriate time to say to someone like, Hey, have you thought about your future? You know, yeah, sure. all, of, all of the snazzy ways I actually say it, and I won't mention on this podcast to, to not give away all my secrets. Oh, you can't give away your, um, your, your hot sauce, the, no, but, the recipe. But what I will also say is that it gave a lot of brokers for the first time in their lives time to actually sit back and strategize and think about what they wanted to build, right? Most brokers are just go, go, go. You're working on the fire that's right in front of you. You're working with the clients that are right in front of you. You you don't have time to sit and think strategically about your business. No. So whether you look at people that built out really strong, you know, digital presences or invested in CRM or, you know, brought on new team members or shifted their focus, you see a lot of brokers. Got a license in a different state. Sure. Yeah. That, that you know, took that time to really take a step back and evaluate their businesses. So we were busy. I'm a workaholic, so thank goodness, you know, the world was on fire, but I was working 14 hours a day. Um, Because when brokers are very busy, my team is less busy because you're all out transacting and doing deals, right? When you all were literally not able to work. Forced to pause. Forced to pause. Guess who wasn't? Our team. So it was this It was this time where people were inside. It was an introspective moment. People knew that the end was in sight and that, you know, the world would reopen again. And they had a period of time where they were actually forced to slow down and think about what they wanted. And, you know, it was a very busy time for my team because there are a lot of brokers that that was the first opportunity they'd ever had to just take a breath and think about, okay, am I actually happy with what I've got going on? Or is what I'm doing currently working? You know, it most, and I think now given how busy the market is, most people don't don't have that space for that type of reflection. Do you think that the pause was bad for a lot of brokerages that had agents that were thinking of leaving? Um, maybe, I mean, I think everyone psychologically, you know, handles change differently. I also don't think that there was any one firm where, you know, people were sitting around discontent thinking about leaving. I, I think that COVID and frankly, this, this a couple of key big, shifts that happen. Number one, being able to work remotely and having all of your teams, everything online, 24 Mm seven remote accessible. Number two, the way that clients communicate with you. Clients now are so much more comfortable with digital first communication and video tours and looking at things online first. Um, And then number three, just the speed at which you need to be able to share information. All three of those things were trends that very much benefited Compass Mm -hmm. because it made things that were nice to have that we had incredibly necessary. Essential to have. Right. Our tools. We didn't, we literally didn't miss a day. Mm -hmm. You know, our finance team already processes all, you know, payments and checks electronically. You don't have to physically go in and leave a check in an envelope and get like, there are still some brokerages. You have that one poor guy just go to that Westchester office once every Wednesday to pick up checks from New York City. But But now they've made it better. Yeah, they made it better. But yeah, yeah, you're right. But we didn't, and and even things like, we didn't have to teach anyone on our team how to use Zoom, right? The Mm -hmm. idea of remote meetings are all of our teams have been you know, connected across the country right. for the last time. We're a gang of millennials. Like of we course. all knew what we were doing. Of course. I mean, we knew what Zoom was before the pandemic happened, but. Yeah. yeah. And so I think we were, we were a step ahead in that regard. I also just think, frankly, like we have a really strong cultural foundation 
and making public, and this is what Robert's book is all about, being built on a set of shared values makes it a lot easier for you to get through times of great adversity. Right, like when we, all, all our sales meetings, I remember March, April, May, they were just all about culture. They were all about taking care of each other. And that wasn't the first time anyone at Compass had heard those values, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't something we were trotting out no. for a time of crisis. Yeah, it's like it's who we are. Pull it up now. It's Gordon being Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> We've believed that for many years. Mm -hmm. I think we also had a really strong uh, cultural foundation and you know, brokerages that didn't have that. I don't, I probably didn't benefit from that. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think in terms of the ability to get clients information really quickly and respond really quickly. You saw this in the suburbs a lot. In the suburbs, all of a sudden, all of your buyers were these really tech forward young families from New York City that were used to things happening, like not on island time, not on Connecticut time, but like immediately. New York, New York Minute. Right, and so those types of tools and programs that we offer became even more important. Mm. So I, I think culturally we had the right foundation. Our team didn't skip a beat um, and my team, it was challenging. I think March was, at least if you're a New Yorker, terrifying. There's mm -hmm. no other word to describe it. Yep. 2020. Yep. Um, but you know, it was it was a very opportune time for people to step back and consider what they wanted from their business, which made my team busy. Mm -hmm. Where, I've been watching your stories during the pandemic. Where were you? Um, I actually lived in someone's guest house in Sag Harbor. Oh. <laughs> well, it was, okay. it was it, it, now it's, it's uh, I, I have these, a full-on landlord and rented it from him. It wasn't like I was living in a friend's backyard. <laughs> they, they were gonna, the plan originally was for them to Airbnb it. And I basically swooped in because I was, I was overseeing uh, part of Compass in the Hamptons. Yeah, at yeah, that yeah. Time. yeah, yeah. So I was already reverse commuting because I was launching Compass on Long Island. I was uh, covering Compass in the Hamptons. So I was reverse commuting mm. three days a week from Brooklyn out to the Hamptons on Long Island anyway. Yeah, that's tough. What, it what, was, it what, what part of it, yeah. you, So you were driving, not, not even, you weren't even driving to West Hampton, you were driving to East Hampton, which oh, is Oh yeah, it was, it was not tougher. fun. Yeah, it's even yeah. tougher. Um, and so when, when COVID hit, thankfully my lease in Brooklyn was up mm -hmm. at the end of April. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't even have to think about a lease break, but I, because I knew everyone out there and I knew a lot about the product out there, I was able, like I had people that were already out there that could go look things and, um, I was able to find something which I'm very, very grateful for. You're lucky because it was the market there is quite tough. Yeah, but I mean, it's a I tough time to yeah. move into something new like when COVID just hit. I strapped <laughs> my trampoline to the top of a rental car. I should have taken a photo and sent it to you. I was mm. like, I'm getting the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go. Because um, I lived alone and it, you know, it was really scary um, as I think it was for everyone. But yeah, I'm yeah, excited absolutely. to be back in Brooklyn. Um, you know, I'm glad I checked that box. It was like my year abroad. Uh -huh. Um but was your year abroad? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> abroad. Out east. <laughs> out east. Yeah, exactly. Okay, great. Your promotion, just, you know, congrats. Six dun, months. Dun, dun. Six months in. So what's the difference? What, what's going on there? Because I don't even know. You're, you're obviously recruiting brokers, but now you're managing people that recruit brokers. Is that the... So it's not what's recruiting because you're the client. So it's actually more of a sales mm. role. Okay, so you're not, you're not recruiting, you're selling? Partnering. Partnering. Mismal use is the mm -hmm. euphemism we use. Okay, very um, politically correct. Thank you. So um, I essentially went from being an independent uh, individual contributor, so mm -hmm. I was you know, part of a team that was out leading new partnerships, sure. um, to now I manage the entire New York City team, which is wildly different. Okay. Um, and it's just really interesting to go from a role that was very autonomous, you know, that I had really gotten a lot of muscle memory behind. I did for close to three years and was really good at for most of that time. I had a slow start. Mm -hmm. I was still Daisy running alone in the woods for a bit. Mm -hmm. um, 
But, but, but planning. Yeah. Plotting. Yeah. Plotting. Always yeah. plotting. Mm-hmm. Uh, to now I manage a team of eight and they're all absolutely amazing and I'm so proud of them and mm-hmm. I just feel like a stage mom at all times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's been wild and I've actually only... Stage mom, soccer mom. Yeah, same, stage. I'm more of a stage mom than a soccer mom, I think. Uh, soccer mom is a more of a, 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 a logistics. It's a adjective used for logistics. I'm more of a hype woman yeah. than yeah. logistics. Okay. Soccer moms don't really like hype people up. True. Yeah. True, true, I'm also true. not a minivan gal, so. You're not. Yeah, well, yeah. What, what are you? I'm a stage mom, so whatever stage they mom. drive. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> what do they drive? I don't know. I think it probably changes. Probably a minivan, too. No. No? I feel like stage moms are a bit more glam. Okay, what do you think? What do they drive? Like a, Probably like a nice SUV. Yeah, like okay. a high quality SUV. Like a Land Rover like or a Volvo or something like, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah, fine. Or yeah. Chevy Tahoe or something. <laughs> yeah. Fine, fine, fine. Fine, fine, Good. fine. So you're more of a, a, a stage mom. Yeah. And you have a team of eight. Mm-hmm. And, and is it just you give them guidance? You give them advice? What do you... All of it. All of it. All of it. You reprimand um, them? Fire them? Beat them? <laughs> <laughs> goodness it's it's actually really it's really fun because i um i mean i have a bit of expert credibility which uh having done their their role for a few years i I think it 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 makes it easier for me to build trust with them because i can say look i I did this i've been in the trenches like i i understand how challenging this role is and it's tough you know it's it's a grind right it's just like being a real estate broker um, you know, all sales, it's about reps. So how do you keep yourself motivated and focused and, and focused on the right things, but consistent and showing up every single day and like putting in the work? Um, as you know, I'm like a little bit burning manny. I'm very mindset focused. And so my approach with them is just all about mindset of like, how do you make sure that your mind is right? How do you make sure that you're doing what you're doing for the right reasons? Like if you are showing up from a place of selflessness and like, because at this point, I've been at Compass long enough that I have worked with agents that have quadrupled their businesses, mm. right? Wow. That have saved so much time on the Compass platforms that they were able to adopt another child, which was one of their wow. friends before they joined. Phenomenal. Or, you know, grow their team or spend more time with their partner. Like, it really works. And we're not selling widgets. Like, this is having a material impact on people's lives. Yeah. Not just their income potential, but their lives. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean that. Like, that's why I'm still here. That's why I do what I do. And so with my team, I lead from a place of service. And like, this is the opportunity opportunity that we have for people. So it's not smiling and dialing. It's like, look, anyone that makes this move, it's going to change their life in a positive way. And that's a huge responsibility. Um, and so I'm only a couple weeks in, I'm still trying to find the balance of like how I think I'm probably a bit of a helicopter mom right now. Cause I'm just so proud of them. Um, so I'll back off soon. Not yet. Um, but I, it's a mixture of like, I do meet the agent every Monday. Oh, you should come in and be interviewed, both of you. Oh, I love that. And yeah, Danielle right. would love that too. Huh. Um, Cause I, you know, it's just kind of like an ask me anything where um, you can, you know, a, a lot of folks on my team don't come necessarily from a real estate background. And there's a lot to learn. Like even just learning about New York City real estate. Cause as you know, if you get a broker on the phone and you don't know what you're talking about, it's not a very long mm-hmm. call. Right, of course. Um, and then I also love to do role plays. I think we all have to practice more than anything. So do you guys else. get on phones with each other and oh, yeah. do a little oh, acting? Oh, there's nothing I love more than pretending to be an agent. Ooh. It is so fun. <laughs> oh, can we do this right now? No. Oh, <laughs> I would love to be an agent and then you could be the SGM. Oh, no. You can give me a call and I'll respond. She can't give away her tips and I tricks, can't though. You can't give away tips? No, I can't. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, all right. Well, g- give me uh, a little bit of... I know that the tip of the iceberg, you know, what, what's, 
what are some of the tricks or tips or things that you have in your head and or you use or tools that you use to engage with a real estate agent? Yeah, so I think first it's all about psychology. I think if you spend too much time in any one industry, you, you can trick yourself into thinking that um, people care about what you have to say, for mm -hmm. lack of a better term. Sure. And so I think no matter what sales role you're in, it can be very easy to be in the vacuum of your company, your role, and think, yes, people are just dying for me to call. Like they're just, and they're not. And so I think psychologically, it's being really respectful of someone's time. And like, if I call someone, I will have done extensive research on them. I know their business. I, I can talk to them for 10 or 15 minutes, offer them free advice on what they're doing. I've worked with, I've brought over stat you'll love, 216 agents, teams, or brokerages. 216. That's a lot. Yeah. So I'm Pause. <laughs> Is that in New York City? Is that in? No, I could probably all break of it, it out. That's, that's in all, all regions. Yeah. That includes Raleigh and... Yeah. Okay. Hold, wow. Hold the brakes. 216 teams or agents. Um, I don't even know where to start with that. Yeah. But let's break it down. Do you have one like story where the agent was no way Jose, don't call me, get out of here. And now they're like, Daisy, I love you. It's actually so funny because the meaner they were before they joined Compass, the more of a Compass harder they are now. <laughs> it's so funny. It's the craziest phenomenon. It makes the you meaner fearless. they are, yes. the meaner they are, the more hype they are about Compass after they join. Yeah. Maybe they're just just very just they're on an emotional scale. Maybe they're just very. Yeah, very... I, I really believe the way you do anything is the way you do everything. So people that are intense are going to be intense. intense. Someone who's all in somewhere else is gonna yeah. eventually be all in here. Exactly. Exactly. And then, and so on the other spectrum, someone that is not as intense and just like is very mild mannered will join and also won't be as gung ho. Compass won't be as gung ho. I mean, is is that? Would you think? Would you find that accurate? No, I think it's more about how how they express it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Someone someone that's more mild mannered, they might be just as happy and excited, but they're not calling me to be like, "Thank you so much yeah. for making me make this move." You know. They're just living their life like they yeah. were before. Okay, so do, do you have like one specific case study where like the out of those 216 teams and brokers that you, you've uh, recruited where they were just like, oh, Daisy, like, why are you calling me? Oh my gosh, I have one team. I don't know if I should bleep out their names or not. You can, you don't have to, it's up to you. There's a team and they, they're, it's uh, two partners. Can I guess? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Probably. Um, and they were very, Two very partners and there was a couple brokers? Broker no, 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 they're business partners. Oh, business partners, okay. Um, and they were so happy at their last brokerage and everyone said like, oh, they're amazing, they're so compass, you're never gonna get them, but like, they're amazing. And so mm. everyone oh, just like said, you're so never gonna get them. Like, don't you love a challenge? I was salivating. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, oh, I won't. Um, and <laughs> oh, I won't. <laughs> And so, you know, when I was in SGM, I believed in the 80-20 rule that, that Google puts forth that you should spend 20% of your time on moonshot projects. Like, you should spend 20% of your time on, on something that's just... A passion project. A passion project. And so this team Great. was my passion project. Great. And I really treated, it, treated my conversations with them as moonshots, which meant that I was so scrappy and I was so... I remember I called one of them and was like, hey, it's me again. <laughs> <laughs> just... I did, it got to the point where I was like, I was thinking, and I really like stalking their listings, really just, but like really understanding how they built their business, what mattered to them. And then every time, the beautiful thing about Compass is that it really works, which, you know, a lot of people in sales or in technology are selling something that has little to no impact. Mm -hmm. this, this like, what did you say to them? Like, hey, you're like, uh, you should do like a TikTok on this 
listening or something? Like, what kind of things did you point out to them that impacted them, that gave you, that gave them more attention about you? So, like, when Video Generator came out, I sent them a Video Generator video of one of their listings. Oh, cool, cool. And I was like, I did this for myself. Oh, that's that's very attention grabbing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, I would, I would, I, I got one of them on the phone. He's like, okay, I'm walking home from Dwayne Reed because I had to get dog food. Like, I'm, I've, I've eight blocks. Like what so I was like okay I'll take it yeah. I remember yeah. being in the call room at 95th Avenue and just like talking to him I'd like trying to fit as much information as I could and of course it didn't work because if you really want to connect with someone just ask them questions don't talk with them mm-hmm. um, that's why this podcast is so beautiful and so I they we, they came very close to joining and then didn't join three separate times so like my heart was I was so hardened by this what were the reasons just business not good the management uh, I mean, no, they were very happy. I mean, most of the people that I've worked with were incredibly happy where they were, mm-hmm. right? Comfortable. People, yeah. Comfortable. Comfortable, happy. Well, Why rock the boat? Business is good. Yes, exactly. I like my manager. Exactly. X, Y, Z. Why rock the boat? But it's so funny. I remember every time, every, every single place that I was, whenever I would get a phone call from one of them, because I always took it. And it, it got to be, like, I, I handled it just as such a moonshot, like, and I think that's probably why I was able to be more authentic and connect with them more because I, I knew that this just wasn't happening. Right. And so finally they joined and um, like I meet them at the office at 6.30 a.m. to show them where their office would be because I don't want to be seen so by anyone. I, like I don't want to be seen. Uh, sneaking in, uh, sneaking really? in, sneaking yeah, out. Classic. And um, then it came full circle because I sent uh, two of the folks on my team to meet with them just to learn about you know their decision process and what they liked. And one of them called me afterwards and he was like, you know, you know, they were, your team members are so great, this, that, and the other thing. And he was like, but you know, I just, I still can't get over just how much you knew about us. He's like, you knew when I took a piss, you knew when I was getting a coffee, you knew when I had yoga. And I was like, yeah, it's true. I was this labor of love for over a year. Meaning like, hey, what's going on? I noticed that your dog ran out of food two weeks ago, so you might be at Dwayne Reed right now. Like this girl won't leave us alone. <laughs> but I was just in awe. Like I really do geek out on on the real estate industry, and I really do geek out on like what you guys do is so hard. You you get revenue from stone. Like you're you're there's no business plan. There's no real estate. Oh university. yeah, just like Katia Dance Body. Exactly. Dance body, yeah. And I have so we much admiration. Make water for, from stone. Yes. I have so much adoration for entrepreneurs. And so if you, if from nothing, you, you get to selling $150 million a year of real estate, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to fan girl yeah. as I should. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. Uh, but go back to that, that the team there. Mm-hmm. Are, are they happy now? What's, what's the, Absolutely. are they in New York yes. city? Yes, they are. Oh, okay. They're thrilled to be here. They're okay. so happy. Good. Yeah. I don't know who they, I don't know who it is, but no, but there's, there's one <clears> of them. One of them was always very mild mannered. And one of them was like, we're never coming to compass, but then would call me. So I was like, Oh, you just want the attention. You just want something. Oh, is it? Uh, Columbia Vitolo? No. No. Okay. Um, Shut up. Of course, now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just um, honest, I'm just throwing it out. Of course, there, now yeah. he's like he's like put me on the phone with anyone. Like now, I made like, this oh, movie because, a year because ago. Because based uh, on what you say, like I kind of like you know I know people you know you kind of like it. Yeah. I, I like the six thirty a.m. That brings back a lot of memories. When I first time I met uh, Mark and Scott, this is before I even knew who Baby Frank was. You know, shout out to the the Mark and Scott team. And they would come in and it would just be like two guys in suits at 10 o'clock at night just go into a room with Refkin for an hour and then leave and it, was, it happened a couple times always at night I'm like who are these business guys like, I didn't even know who <laughs> well, they were well that was what was wild about COVID was because everyone was homeschooling oh so it was easier no it was I mean I don't think anything was easier but no, but no, you're not going to go to their office to visit them and you're not going to be seen 
No, that part was really nice because people are very worried about privacy. So, like, I've done pitches in a random pizza shop. It's it's just wild. But um, during COVID, everyone was homeschooling. And so I had, at one point, I was working on two different agents, one of whom could only speak from 6.30 to 7.30 a.m. before Mm -hmm. their kids woke up. And one of whom could only speak at 8 p.m. after So, okay. So So I would take naps in the middle of the day. In a way, it was harder, but you would would just adjust your hours a little bit more. Yeah, basically. Okay. You know, I, I just have so much admiration for your position specifically because it's hard to sell someone that sells for a living especially because they know what you want already mm-hmm. right it's like so you're calling me again like i know what you want like i'm not going to join so you're facing you're basically faced with rejection pretty much every day i mean i don't know danielle you think you could handle something like that no i don't think so It'd be tough yeah you need like a you need like a heart of steel yeah. what do you call it what do you a call heart it? of gold and ice in your veins ice in your <laughs> veins yeah that's right yeah, yeah you are you are uh, the ice lady they what kind of advice do you give to What kind of advice do you give to your team of 8 to make sure they're not discouraged or they don't get discouraged because you know to tell you the truth I get text mass text messages from agencies that I've never heard of all the time and I'm just like click I, you know, I either hang up or unsubscribe like response and that's it. Yeah, that's not how my team does things. Yeah, well, so but I get calls. I get phone calls too. And remember, we get we get we used to get robo calls. Remember oh that? yes, I don't know how call. brokerage it was, but <laughs> they were calling me, wanting to recruit me. I was like, you don't even know. <laughs> but it was like an automatic recorded yeah. robo call. Anyways, and anyways, like you you just you know how do you, what do you tell them so that they're not discouraged and they don't go home crying? Um, I actually read something this morning that I thought I, I wish I could remember the quote word for word. I'm gonna I'm gonna fumble it, but. Um, you're only afraid if you're thinking about yourself. Like you're, you're only afraid if you're thinking about what's in it for you. Mm. Right. Oh, as soon as you zoom out. Oh yeah. Come on. It's my, that's on the, the mindset gal. Um, it's deep. but as soon as you make it not about you and as soon as you, like I encourage people on my team to stay very close to the fire. Cause for me, when I'm having a hard day, I can call someone that I've worked with and just hear about how much their life has changed or their business has changed. And, you know, whether it's like a tiny little morsel they drop or like, you know, there's an agent I brought on who really, she her dream was to, she knew the developers of this big building in Brooklyn and, you know, they didn't want to list with her because she didn't have enough, you know, marketing firepower to last brokerage. And the marketing team showed me today, I almost started crying, a booklet. They're like, oh, did you see this? It's sick. And it's her for this building where she had a three and a half million dollar penthouse and I was just like, it works. Oh. And so I always tell my team to stay close to the fire. And you know, it, you're only afraid if you're, if you're thinking about what's in it for you. And the more that you can come from a place of, look, you're solving problems. Not everyone has a problem to solve. Like not, th- this is not for everyone, but this is a really, really powerful company and it works if you work it. So if you come at it from that standpoint of, look, I have something of value to offer. I'm here to be of service. You're not going to have a bad day. Because even if someone's an asshole to you on the phone, you learned. You learned how to communicate with people. You let that person take out whatever they needed to take out. Like, bless them, forgive mm-hmm. them, and move on with your day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Leonard says that too, right? That everybody's fighting a battle that they, mm-hmm. you know, you, know you can't see. About. You can't see. And then just because, you know, they're having a bad day and taking it out of you doesn't necessarily mean it's a reflection of you. But you were in their life for that brief moment to try to fix or potentially help them. Yeah. And you're so worried about their life. outcome, not yours. So mm-hmm. That's very deep. Mm-hmm. Nice, very good. That's a motivational speaker over here. Absolutely. Speaking of motivational, I want to pivot. I want to talk about your morning routine. I want to talk about what you learned from uh, our mutual friend Courtney Krulis as well. Mm-hmm. Her coaching sessions mm-hmm. that you you and I have attended in the past. Um, maybe how that impacted you, or maybe what you learned from her. But um, you yeah, tell us about your morning routine and why is it important. And you know maybe Danielle can also learn something from that because she is also a big morning routine girl. 
am. Are you really? What is your current morning routine? Well, you have like a very specific morning routine. <laughs> but um, the key for me is just like I like to wake up and exercise immediately mm. right away. And I like to do it in the morning. It just automatically improves my mood, improves my day. I'm full of energy after. Even if you're tired? Yep, even if I'm tired. Like there's been times where, I, where I've woken up dead tired and just been like, it'll be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little hungover. If you're too hungover, it doesn't work. But <laughs> <laughs> um, it just improves the day automatically. And then I have iced coffee right away after working out. I love it. I love it. <laughs> One of the life hacks <clears throat> that I learned, honestly, probably on TikTok, someone said something, this is not medically accurate, but it does help. Sure. It's like, if you wake up, and when you wake up, you're really fatigued and you're still really tired, you're not actually tired, you're just dehydrated. Again, probably not medically true, but I saw that and I was like, huh, that's a fun little hack to try. So I started doing this thing where pretty much as soon as I wake up, I brush my teeth first, of course. (laughs) Then I I try to drink a full liter of water, like room temperature or warm water. And I swear to God- Why warm or room temperature, not cold? uh, Because cold seizes up your stomach. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You want to be gentle. You want to ease yourself into oh. the day. Are you supposed to have like warm lemon water? I don't even do. Le- I don't even have. I'm such Did a. You know, I'm learning so much. I still drink it cold, but you know, <laughs> I, just, I just put New York City tap water in whatever yeah. drinking vessel is available. Drinking <laughs> vessel in the five a.m. light, and I just drink. Um, I try to drink at least a full glass or two of water. And then number one, you can't fall, you are not gonna fall back asleep because you have to pee. But number two, it actually does, I do notice that I'm much more alert and it's just a wild hack of before you have coffee, before you do anything, just drink a bunch of water. You're like, oh, actually I probably was just very dehydrated. Give um, a shot. I don't, I, I, I love to work out in the morning. There's... Trampoline. Yeah, that's why I have a trampoline because I don't, I don't want to go into something super, I don't want to shock my body too much. I really like, I run my life like a grandmother that's already retired. So I'm about easing into the day. Mm. So I have a trampoline and yeah. like a nice gentle bounce. You know, you don't have to change, you don't put on sneakers, you don't have to talk to people, you don't have to schedule it. Just like a quick, get the blood flowing. I have a foam roller, I've gotten really into that. Um, but then most of my morning routine, I wake up super energized and like my mind is racing already. So I need to like meditate. I usually need to write something down, okay. whether it's a list or just like a free write, like a, a you know. What did you write down this morning? That quote about, uh, you're only afraid if you're thinking about what's uh, in it for you. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Like yeah, so it changes. Everybody, you know, I gotta be a little bit flexible, but for me it's about waking up and like grounding and getting really clear on what I want to accomplish in the day mm-hmm. because as an extrovert and as someone whose job is very social and communicative, it's very easy for me to lose, not lose, it's very easy for me to blink and it's 14 hours later oh, yeah. and I've done a bunch of stuff for other people and mm-hmm. I haven't done a single thing that I meant to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I do think this is something I learned pre-Courtney, but it's one reason my Courtney, who for those of you listening that are not, you know, Compass Deep State, she was my mentor at, at uh, Compass, as you may have learned in episode nine. Um, I'm give her a shout out, huh? She's amazing. She's amazing. Um, but we're both big on intention. Like I think if you set your intention, oh, if you oh, sorry, set your yep. intention, uh, everything kind of flows from there. And for me, setting an intention in the morning and just thinking about, okay, like what's the energy I want to bring in today? Uh-huh. Done. Mm-hmm. You know, Courtney had an a interesting psychological was it trick to your brain. Is it's called play, right, in the morning, and that's why you do the trampoline? So it was called dose. Dopamine, dose. oxytocin, serotonin, I forget what the endorphins. Uh-huh. So you're supposed to, like, 
exercise. It's, she, she was actually very Australian. She trapes into the office at 9.30 in the morning. Um, <laughs> but you're supposed to, like, exercise, play, journal, like, hug someone. Like, there's a bunch of stuff you're supposed to do. Dance. 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 But I, yeah. It's, it's, it's I don't know if you're going to dance, but exercise and journal and play, I mean, that's... Yeah, I mean, oh. I, don't, I don't do all of those things every morning. I mean, certainly I would be in a much better mood if I did. I, same thing with exercising in the morning, but mm-hmm. I have And also, was it no phones? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah, it's my New Year's resolution is the same every single year. It's to have no phones the first and last hour of the day. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I usually make it two or three weeks. Oh, well, you know, it's maybe you'll most... make it four or five weeks next no, year. No, but the algos always get me. <laughs> <laughs> I think the... Uh, the fact that most of our phones is our alarm clock doesn't help. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. We're already look tied it right to it. Away. And then I look at it and you see all the notifications from last night. You're like, ah, well, here we go. <laughs> but uh, lots to learn. A lot to learn from Courtney Krulis. Actually, I have to say that you know, we, got, we, got to give her, we got to give her a shout out, Courtney. For... Oh, this is really loud. This is my DJ. This is my DJ button. <laughs> anyway, shout out to Courtney for uh, teaching us the, the, the essential parts of our morning routine. Yes. Yes. Uh, I know you're busy. We kind of do need to wrap it up soon. So I do want to ask you some finalized wrapping up questions. Great. The book, No One Succeeds Alone. Mm -hmm. Give me like two things that you learned that maybe impacted you in a, uh, in a, in a positive or maybe just a, a, a what, what, you know, what, what was your takeaway? It could be spoilers. Two things that impacted you. Uh, the two things that impacted me the most, I think anyone that hasn't read it yet should read it, especially if you don't work at Compass, because a lot of it, the entrepreneurship principles we're all pretty familiar with. The two things that impacted me were first, he says something in there about how the, the people who do the most great things just do the most things. Like you have to throw a lot at the wall. The people that do the most great things do the most things. You have to, you have to try a lot of different things to see what works. And I think... I'm someone that very much gets stuck in a thought pattern of like, if I don't do this perfectly, I'm just not going to do it or analysis paralysis. Sure. And I loved that takeaway of like, nope, don't be afraid to fail. Just mm-hmm. do a bunch of stuff and see what works. And the other thing is, you know, Robert talked about this at uh, Camp Compass, one of the offsites we had for our employees. He, I, he loves, uh, we were not invited to this. No, he we loves, to he loves talking about the transformative power of breakups and how breakups are actually really good for your development as a human breakups being. Breakups as in like a... Romantic breakups. Romantic, okay, personal. So he talks about his ex and, and like the, their breakup and how it affects him personally. I'm like, how cool is it that the CEO of this company, this founder of this company, this this really smart, accomplished guy is like being that vulnerable about his personal life and be like, yeah, breakups suck. And I really think they're a good opportunity to learn and become a better person. Um, he became very romantic. I think he learned how to play guitar after the breakup or something like that. Yeah. So those are my two <laughs> biggest takeaways, I think. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that is cool. It is very transformative. That is true. Any life event, and, and Robert has had many of them. I, I want to, you know, I want to give one a cool nugget from the book that I, you know, I found really exceptional was um, Robert's wife, Benice, uh had... Had a very, I mean, read the book, you know, really, very, very rough rough life growing up, um, just, just financially strapped and had obviously received a lot of help just like Rob along the way in life. And yeah, I really, one of my favorite parts of the book was, uh, she had gotten accepted into NYU and had realized that, that the, the cost of private school in the United States is, is extraordinary. You know, she graduated in probably almost $200,000 in, in, in college debt. And in order for her to, to enroll into this special NYU program, 
you know, she had to get someone to not pay for it, obviously, but uh, co-sign on the uh, student loans. And she didn't have anybody. I mean, her mom was an immigrant. She was babysitting uh, uh, to pay for her life. Specifically, there is this girl that she helped, uh, which was one of the recommendations and connections that Bernice made uh, in their youngest daughter was Daisy, who is currently one of the top strategic growth managers at Compass. So this is a, a truly a, a interesting story that I, you know, personally took taken away was that having someone down the road and then, you know, 10, 20 years later, you know, you, you pay it forward and, and, it, and now we get to meet and we're all here. I mean, all because of, you know, your, your family's, uh, assistance in in Venice. What was she like when when you were young? I mean, in the book, she, she talks about how, you know, she helped you with interpersonal relationships, maybe you, you and your sisters, you know, growing up. You know, what was she like? What did you think about her? She's exactly the same. I mean, she's always been super humble, super hardworking. Yeah. She, she is who she is. She's an incredibly authentic person. Yeah. Um, I was probably a terror at, at eight or nine years old. So the fact that she has anything nice to say about me is is just a testament to the power of forgiveness and how you can move on. Uh -huh. um, but she's she's exactly the same person today as, as she was, you know, when when I first met her. Uh -huh. Just the work ethic and the tenacity and the just. Also, by the way, she, she does not look one day older, which I know is not the most it's important thing. It's, 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 it's incredible. I've seen her. Yeah, I mean, she posts photos of herself with Rob 20 years ago or 10, 15 years ago. And you're right. Yeah, she's exactly the same. <laughs> uh, an excerpt from this, uh, this page is, Benice and the family learned a valuable lesson from this experience. The people you help may one day be in a position to help you. When you choose to be generous, your generosity is sometimes repaid in more ways than you can anticipate. And... Danielle and I are our recipients of that generosity from shout out Marty and your family, but you know that's why we're here, and uh, that's what I wanted to kind of end the end the note on is the the fact that uh, you know we got to meet through the, you know the impacts of people paying it forward in the past. Yes. Yeah, Danielle, do you want to say anything to close up the uh, this episode? No, but I do definitely want to read the book now because I have not read it, and now I'm really enticed to. Crack it open. There you go. Lots of lots of juicy nuggets and life lessons. Thank you so much for having me. Daisy, thank you very much. Again, I'll, I'll put her Instagram in her podcast and her show notes, links in the show notes. And uh, get, definitely give her a follow. Give, give her a uh, podcast a listen as well. I'll be uh, one of the new audiences. And um, <laughs> thank you so much. You're Appreciate so your time. welcome. Appreciate your time. All right. Thank you. Bye.